Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. The following program was transcribed from its earlier coast-to-coast release for presentation to the West at this time. This is Erskine Johnson in Hollywood, your Hollywood reporter for the Los Angeles Daily News, the New York World Telegram, Motion Picture Magazine, and 600 newspapers from coast-to-coast. Today, hot off our Hollywood typewriter, I have headline stories about Brian Donlevy and Joan Crawford, Susan Hayward and Madeline Carroll, Howard Hughes and Bob Hope. And by Transatlantic Radio, Hollywood, California goes to London, England, 6,828 miles for an exclusive interview with the famous English star, Michael Redgrave. I'll be back with the stories behind the headlines and today's Hollywood confession, or should we say London confession, in just a moment. Love is like a dizziness. It win or let a poor body gang about his business. The poet James Hogg wrote those three lines more than a hundred years ago. The dizziness he wrote about certainly won't let the nation's housing program go about its business. Now, if you're wondering what love has to do with the housing shortage, here's an explanation. When people get married, one of their first concerns is to find a place to live. Usually, newlyweds like to buy a home or build a new one. But marital bliss in the past few years has found hurdles in its path. One, the lack of building materials for badly needed homes. And two, an increase in the number of newlyweds looking for places to live. Back in the 20s and 30s, marriages averaged about 1.2 million a year. But in the 40s, the average has gone up to 1.6 million a year. It sounds like it's silly to fall in love after listening to those figures. That's not the case at all. Go ahead and fall in love, but just realize that the competition for homes is terrific. Be careful in your frantic search for a place to start your married life. Wait if you possibly can until prices drop to more nearly their true value. You'll help fight inflation at the same time protect your future budget from crippling payments. Now back to Erskine Johnson. Hollywood, California, and London, England. 6,820 miles apart. And yet an American and an Englishman carrying on a conversation while their voices go through London streets, across the Atlantic Ocean, over New York skyscrapers, Ohio valleys, Minnesota wheat fields, Colorado's mountains, and New Mexico's deserts. I can't help wondering today what a group of Englishmen who bobbed about in a small ship back in 1620 on their way to a wild country called America would think of this. They say we get blasé in Hollywood. Well, right now, I feel far from blasé as I await a cue for a transatlantic radio interview with the famous British star, Michael Redgrave. Hold on now, I've just received the flash that Michael Redgrave in London is ready and waiting to talk to us. Hello, Michael. Can you hear me? Certainly, Erskine. Voice is coming over fine. I really appreciate you allowing me to meet your radio audience. 
Well, they're not exactly meeting you for the first time, Michael. They know you from such fine pictures as Genie, The Stars Look Down, Thunder Rock, The Lady Vanishes, and only recently in Dead of Night. And we're looking forward to seeing you in the Bolting Brothers picture, Fame is the Spur. Thank you, Will Skip. I don't know what you're thinking at this moment, but I believe you must be thinking something as I'm thinking. To anyone who has flown across the Atlantic or who has held many transatlantic telephone conversations, this little talk of ours would hardly seem out of the ordinary, but to me it's quite unusual. I'm quite excited about the entire affair. And so am I, but, uh, you know, not too excited to forget my duties as an interviewer. Michael, I understand that you are coming over to Hollywood to star in the Diana production picture, The Secret Beyond the Door, for Fritz Lang. Does that mean you are going to join the list of English actors and actresses who have taken permanent residence in California? Um, no, Erskine. I'm really looking forward to revisiting you. After I finish making Secret Beyond the Door at Universal International Studios, I shall return to England. I couldn't stay away for too long a time. If you know your Rupert Brooke as well as you know your James Hogg, the things that Rupert Brooke tries to hear from me in England, too. And as I recall, he mentioned something about old friends, too. We understand you, Michael. But about this uh, new picture you're going to make, can you give us an idea of the story of the secret beyond the door? Well, I'm not supposed to divulge the plot, Eskin, but I don't believe Fritz Lang would object to my saying that the secret beyond the door is a story of a man's inner thoughts. Um, well, forget the dramatic phrase, but I suppose you'd call it thoughts of his subconscious, his soul, the darker, unknown side. And I'd say you must have a pretty clear picture of the darker side of man's thoughts, because I understand you actually went to a German prison camp to get authenticity for your prison camp story, The Captive Heart. Uh, didn't you talk to a good many former Allied war prisoners about their experiences? Yes, I did visit a German prison camp, Erskine. But strangely, the experience of being a prisoner of war in circumstances doesn't seem to bring out the darker forces of human beings, not entirely. I discovered that whatever it is we call the finest in people seems to come to the surface against such a background. Perhaps it's pride, courage, but, but whatever it is, results in adversity bringing strength instead of weakness. I'm sorry, Eskin, but you're starting to have a long, long sentence. We've probably got many other questions. <laughs> well, don't worry about the questions, Michael. We're interested in listening to you. If uh, we find a subject you enjoy discussing, we'll talk away. But uh, speaking of questions, who was your leading lady in the captive heart? Oh, Rachel Kempson. Uh, it was her first film, but I'd had my eye on her for some time before that. Ten years ago, we'd acted together at the Liverpool Repertory Company, in, in which I was the leading man. She was a guest artist. Her non-professional name is Redgrave. We were married shortly after that first meeting. Well, now that will make your women listeners happy. You know, legend has it there was a time in Hollywood when actors kept their families secret. I don't know how it is in England, but in the United States, nothing makes a woman admire her favorite actor quite so much as to know he's happily married and has children. Uh, I think it's much the same over here, I'm glad to say. I just have to keep quiet about my three children. Uh, uh, Vanessa is nine, Corinne, 
That's my boy, seven, and Lynn, three. I wish they'd come over with me to the United States with my wife when she joins me in February, but it wouldn't be fair to interrupt their schooling. I think they're thinking of my visit chiefly in terms of uh, what I'm likely to bring them back. They will also wish to hear about your Indians and cowboys and so on. Well, Michael, I promise to see that you meet an Indian or two and uh, also cowboy star Roy Rogers so that you won't disappoint the children. Speaking of uh, stories, you know, friends of yours here in Hollywood tell me you edited the Cambridge Review when you were at the university. Oh, that. (laughs) Don't let them fool you into thinking I had some great aptitude for writing or literature. Uh, At that time, people far more qualified than I were unable to land writing jobs. That was 1930. I soon found out that projection slips don't pay anyone. <laughs> so you became an actor, gave up a typewriter for the stage. Not exactly that quickly. For a time, I was a private tutor. And next, I took a post as a modern language master at Cranley for one term and stayed three years. And while at Cranley, I produced and acted in some of Shakespeare's plays. And well, finally, I gave up teaching and talking and went on the stage at the Liverpool Repertory Theatre. And if my memory of the Redgrave history serves me right, weren't you also at the famous Old Vic Theatre, Michael? When did that chapter begin? Oh, I was playing in a play called Storm in a Teacup, and Tyrone Guthrie of the Old Vic Theatre saw me and offered me the position. <laughs> but uh, tell me, don't you ever get a little homesick for the writing days? As a matter of fact, Erskine, I was afraid you would bring that writing subject up again. To be perfectly honest, I had uh, what's known as a small measure of success. Uh, my most flattering thing was that a one-act play of mine, which had been published a number of years, was towards the end of the war being performed by some of the troops in Burma. And when the letter telling me about that arrived, I felt as excited as I did when... Another letter arrived when I was eight years old. Oh, well, that sounds like a rather important letter, Michael, at eight years old. Mind telling us about it? Not at all. It, um, well, even as a child, I wrote stories. And so, with unconscious effrontery of childhood, I, I sent a story to James M. Barry, a very understanding gentleman. He replied with a delightful note of encouragement and... I must confess that that is still one of my most prized confessions. Well, a letter of encouragement for writing from James M. Barry should be. But I'm glad you brought up that word, confess. We uh, have sort of a custom on this program, Michael. Our guests tell us secrets. Usually we call that chapter a Hollywood confession. But uh, this time I think we'll say a London confession. What is yours? Uh, oh, sounds... Um... Rather unnerving game. <laughs> um, let's see. Um, oh, I... Well, I, I nearly ruined my first screen test. Uh, well, once I ruined it, I retarded its progress. Um, oh, Lord, the memory of... Uh, uh, it was a freezingly cold day. The studio wasn't heated. When everything was ready, the sun man said he couldn't make the test. Some odd noise was in the studio equipment, the side equipment, and um, they'd seemed to discover that I was responsible. My teeth were chattering. So somebody found me a stove and led me to it, and eventually I made the test and entered the cinema. 
And thank you for that confession and also for this across-the-sea interview, Michael Redgrave. I'll be looking forward to welcoming you to Hollywood when you arrive to co-star with Joan Bennett in The Secret Beyond the Door for Fritz Lang's Diana Productions. Uh, I've been enjoyed talking to you today, Erskine. Cheerio. I'll see you next month in America. And thank you again, Michael Redgrave. I'll be back with more Hollywood news that's exclusively yours in just a moment. Christmas is almost upon us, and this Christmas, as in the past five years, the finest gift you can give is a United States savings bond. They're the same safe, profitable government bonds we call war bonds, and bought regularly to help win the war. Young people enjoy receiving U.S. savings bonds because it gives them a feeling of having money of their own. Government bonds help give them a start in their college education or in their chosen profession. To older people, government bonds mean a future free from financial worries. They have a chance to make all of their retirement dreams come true. So for your own good and the good of the people you care about, keep buying United States savings bonds. You're lending your money to the government, and they'll pay you $4 for every $3 invested. And by the purchases of savings bonds, you're helping to fight inflation. Invest all of your spare funds in government bonds. By doing so, you'll be banking on your future. And now, back to Erskine Johnson. And here are today's bulletins from Hollywood. Tommy Dorsey is headed for South America on a vacation. He leaves early in January. There's no chance of a reconciliation for Brian Dunleavy and his wife, who separated several weeks ago. She'll sue for that divorce. Wedding bells will ring in 1947, and that's a prediction for Joan Crawford and Greg Boucher, the Hollywood attorney who flew to her lonesome side in New York City. It's the ex-Mrs. Jack LaRue today. She just won a divorce on charges of extreme mental cruelty in Reno, Nevada. Susan Hayward will be co-starred opposite John Garfield in the picture Burning Journey. Madeline Carroll will arrive in Hollywood soon, but not for motion pictures. She plans to star, however, in several radio shows. The Legion of Decency has blackballed Carmen, the French-language film produced in Italy and now showing in New York City. The picture was banned for suggestive situations and free love. 20th Century Fox is planning a film biography of Sophie Tucker, but only Sophie Tucker herself could play the part of Sophie Tucker. And here is today's best double marquee sign. Hold that blonde under pressure. And that's all for now. This is Erska Johnson in Hollywood saying so long from the glamour capital of the world. The National Safety Council is doing everything it can to make people aware of the mass murder that is daily occurring on our highways. But more than the Council's effort is needed, it's your cooperation in abiding by highway safety measures that will eventually reduce the accident rate. Always obey traffic regulations. They were designed for your safety. When you're behind the wheel of a car, don't throw caution to the wind. Use common sense, and for the sake of others as well as yourself, drive carefully in a mechanically safe car. This program was transcribed from its earlier coast-to-coast release for presentation to the West at this more favorable time. This is the Mutual Don Lee Broadcasting System. Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Convert your current recessed lighting with energy-saving LED downlights from Fight Electric. They're bright and install easily in just minutes. They also go from regular lighting to nightlight mode with just a simple flip of a switch. Save big on all Fight lighting products now at Menards. Shop our lighting options today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big.